here we are in a brand new year with wonderful students, with our sweet, wonderful, caring teammates. And yet, all of the while, you have been thinking for so many years, just the joy of being a teacher, the incredible rewards. And now we get to this time of the year and the dreaded state testing begins. Or maybe as a teacher, you've been thinking about how much further your students need to be right now compared to where they actually really are. But your hands have been tied due to the mandates and the crazy expectations of getting students to a place that you know is unreachable because of the situation and the lack of resources that we have as teachers. I was just sitting here not too long ago, just a couple of hours ago, with my sweet little students who are learning to read. Now, what you would not know if you walked into that room is just how old some of these children are. Now, at our micro school, Lighthouse Learning, we have students who are gifted and who are mainstream students who are definitely above grade level and have been here since kindergarten at Lighthouse Learning over the past three years. But we also have students who have come to us, you know, the COVID children that did not get the proper education or just fell through the cracks in school, that their parents were saying, no longer can we do this. We cannot watch our children continue to fail. And so I do have a few students who need some extra tender loving care, who need some intensive intervention. Now that's not necessarily the way that our whole school is made up. Never did I dream that starting a school in the middle of my cl- in the middle of my living room would result in me being able to give personalized education to multi-age students. I had no idea the impact that this would have. And I'm telling you this because you are sitting there going, what if I fail these students? What if I leave public education and I start homeschooling or I start a micro school or a tutoring business and I don't actually help students the way that I want to? I also know that because of this experience, my perception of education has changed drastically, drastically. And I'm seeing results that I would have never seen before, never, that I've actually never seen before in my entire 18 years of being a teacher. I've never seen the results that I've seen before having multi-age students, small group class, individualized education, and knowing these students so well. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the fears that we have of failing students, the fears that have been ingrained in us. We've been indoctrinated to think that what we are doing is not good enough and to think that what we have for children will not pass, quote unquote, the test. I'm so ready to dig into this because I know that there are many teachers right now that are scared. They're scared because their evaluation depends on their test scores. They're scared because of the progress monitoring and how their numbers look on a screen compared to everybody else's. And guess what? You don't have to live a life like that. And I honestly believe it is a false sense of security. And unfortunately, we have been trained to have a fear tactic and a fear mindset that we are failing students. And I hope that this podcast episode 
helps you to see that there is life on the other side, that you can start your school, that you can start your business, you can start your preschool, your learning pod, your homeschooling business, your tutoring business, and be super successful, more so than it would be to stand underneath the umbrella of people who don't really know what it takes to teach children the way that they need to be taught because they are so fixated on the money, the politics, the numbers. It's over. Let's start by pushing play. Welcome, teacher, to the Let Your Light Shine podcast. If you're searching for the freedom and permission to design the life you love as a teacher, you're in the right place. I'm on a mission to help teachers just like you build their own dream school or homeschooling business. In this present day, the world needs you, teacher friend, to step out in faith and give students an education they love and so deserve. In this podcast, I will teach you how to start a fulfilling and profitable homeschooling business that lights you up. I'm Mackenzie Oliver, former elementary teacher and instructional coach, gone homeschool teacher and business builder. I'm here to empower you to step outside the classroom and choose the experiences, the curriculum, and all the moments that put a smile on your face and your students. Does it seem like a dream? Well, it did to me until God opened the doors and made it reality. Together, we are breaking through fears and moving the crowd. So get out your notebook, sharpen your pencil. It's time to get your teach on. Man, oh man, I'm so happy you're here. I, I, I'm, I have a feeling that there's teachers who are listening to this podcast episode, of course, that there are parents who are listening, that there's many people who have either wanted to homeschool, wanted to start a school, wanted to start a business, but they are afraid that whatever they choose to do is not going to be good enough. I also know that each person who's listening to this probably has an icky feeling about state testing, but yet they want to have success. They also know that this is a super anxious season. This is a season of looking at job security, looking at test scores, comparison, school grades, being embarrassed or or afraid to be embarrassed during faculty members, wanting to know, am my numbers going to show up in the red? Are they going to show up in the blue? Are they going to show up in the green? Am I going to be pointed out? I mean, I have seen and heard people who were devastated because of administrators that have just drug them through the dirt based on their test scores. I mean, we can watch children thrive. We can teach students well, and we don't have to have an end of the state testing to see how much of a difference these children have grown and learned. And I know that there are so many of there saying, okay, what if I start this business? What if I don't know the state requirements? What, where do I actually go for homeschooling and running a micro school? How do I actually look at other alternative methods of assessing and communicating? I know that it feels as if, I don't even know where to begin with this, but I'm going to let you know right now that there is a totally different world out there. There is a totally different world of being able to teach children, watch them grow, watch them learn, and document their progress. I am one of them. I'm sitting here in my closet right now because my kids have friends over and I'm hiding in my closet recording this podcast episode. I'm just so enthralled by the conversations that we can have based around this, based on performance, based on success, based on state requirements, fears, testing. How do I know if my child's learning? But yet you want to get away from the pressure and the stress. You want 
to be able to watch children learn and laugh and love and thrive and not be scared of state testing. My gosh, I could give a million podcast episodes about the incredible, insurmountable fear I had of failing students. I taught Florida in Florida, third grade, it's mandatory retention. If students did not pass the FSA in reading, they were held behind. And to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, this totally changed the trajectory of their life when they graduate, how much time they spend at home because they're going to be in, in their parents' house for another year compared to going to high compared to going to college and getting their driver's license before everybody else in their grade level, all based on me. And if I can pa- have them pass this test, it's awful. It was awful. And not only that, but I typically always had the students who had learning disabilities. So we were already at a situation where many of them were non-readers, kindergarten, first grade readers or non-readers. So I understand the pressure. I understand the brainwashing. I understand being taught the fear of failure. I understand the measurement of success. And I also understand that, yes, kids are going to be tested through life. I understand that in order to get a degree, many professions, you have to take a test. I understand that. But there are other ways that we can assess students and assess them for learning in a way that will absolutely change the trajectory of their learning based on positive feedback, based on amazing communication with family members, and based on personalized education with quick quality feedback that also allows us to immediately transform our instruction for the betterment of our students. But I know that you hear, what if I fail? What if I fail them? What if I fail my own child? What if I fail my neighbors? What if I fail the little boy and the little girl and the parents are just hoping that I can help them? Listen, you have the opportunity to teach without limits. There is going to be a quiet voice that's going to keep you stagnant, but you have to choose to rise above and to get into action. You know, state testing is right around the corner. I know many people, whenever they leave public education, maybe they're starting to homeschool or run a micro school, they're looking for what the state requirements are. So I'm going to let you know right here, right now, when you start a micro school, because we are at the brink of an amazing alternative education that's just sweeping our nation, sweeping other countries, there is not a lot of information out there about how to assess which is why I always recommend that we go straight into the homeschooling laws because majority of people are creating micro schools where students have been labeled as homeschooling students. So the student would withdraw from school, they would become a homeschooled student, and then the teachers would be hired as either private tutors or as the main teacher for the child's education based on state requirements. Again, this is all based on state requirements, but I can tell you that every single state you can run and operate a micro school. I also know that this does help because if you are not a private school, then you definitely want to go to hslda.org. That's Homeschool Legal Defense Association.org. It's hslda.org. Look at your state. Just educate yourself. Um, Whenever I began teaching my daughters or homeschooling them. Of course, I was wondering, what are the requirements? If they go back into school, what documentation am I going to have to show and prove? And it's so crazy because my daughter was in seventh grade and I was homeschooling her our first year of starting the micro school. 
when she went back into eighth grade, do you know that she did not have FSA? She did not have the state end of the state assessment. I did not have to give her the end of the state assessment. I did not have to prove what all she had learned or what her grades were. All I had to do was show the classes that I had taught her on a piece of paper. It's so free. It's It, it almost feels illegal. They did not, and we recommended, or I recommended as a parent that I wanted her to have honors math and I wanted her to have honors science. I wanted her to have honors social studies. They didn't even ask for proof that she was ready for that, which is so crazy to me because in the public school system, we're taught show documentation, show documentation, show documentation. And here she was coming from being homeschooled, having no state assessment, having no documentation that she was even ready for those classes and boop, they just put her in the system. There she was. Here's her schedule. Thanks for coming back. Crazy, you folks crazy. So I think a lot of times we're afraid that what if they don't have a state assessment? What if they go straight into being homeschooled and they go back into public school? I can tell you right now, they want kids in those seats because they get a lot of money, honey. So there are definite ways and protocols that you need to follow. For an example, I have my child's documentation for the past couple years of all of the work that she's done. If I were ever to be audited by the state. I have all of her work um, as well as my daughter who is in fifth grade. She's been homeschooled since third grade. I have all of her documentation and the parents who I serve, they keep documentation of their children's learning as well. So all of the work that we do at home or here at our school at our micro school gets sent home to the families. They can choose to put them into like a portfolio, into envelopes into file folders into a binder they keep the documentation so that if their child were to ever go into a private school or back into public school they would have the documentation now depending on your state's regulations you may have to give an end of the year assessment not a big deal typically as a certified teacher you can give the assessment yourself so it doesn't have to be that they go back into a school after being homeschooled for the year and then have to go take the assessment in a public school they do not have to many parents can even hire private tutors private certified teachers that can give the assessment to their child i will also want to share that the students that i had in third grade so whenever i started micro schooling my i had a a handful of students who were in third grade, which is a mandatory retention year if they did not pass the FSA. Well, none of my students went back into public school in fourth grade, but I did have one of those students go back into public school in fifth grade. They did not have them retake the test to see if they were ready for fifth grade. They did not ask for that child's report card. They did not ask for, honestly, any documentation other than the fact that they had been homeschooled, which is a one sheet of piece of paper. Now, again, I'm in the state of Florida. But I'm just giving you an example that I totally believe that we have been fed a lie that it has to look a certain way. I also believe that we have been so controlled and so manipulated in our mindset that education assessment has to look a certain way. And if it is not documented in a computer system, then our students are either going to fail, they can't get into school, or they're going to get held back a grade. And that is not the case. That is not the case at all. I highly recommend if you are joining 
on the micro school movement that you definitely get involved with hslda.org. You can pay, I think it's $10 a month. It is Homeschool Legal Defense Association, which was very advantageous in case you would ever need anyone. Plus, they are a phone call away. They are an incredible, incredible resource. So you may be wondering, can I really ditch state testing? The answer is yes. All the headache, the preparation, the red tape, the monitoring, the reporting, the job security, the anxiousness of the season, the phonics, the math, the state testing, the reading, the writing, all of that. We can get we can get the tactical out of the way, but most importantly, you need to know what state you are in. Look at the requirements on hslda.org. Like I said, micro-schooling is not clear on the definitions of student reporting, but you can call. Call as a homeschooled parent. Call as a homeschooled teacher. Private school is a little bit different. So if you're setting up in your state, if you have to set up as a private school, then we'll need to look at those um, laws as well. But again, nothing where it is the type of state testing that you've had to do in typical school. A majority of states, if you do have to give a state test at the end of the year, the parents get to choose which state they want to give, which test they want to give. Some states, the parents can even give the end of the year assessment. It is definitely not as intimidating as public school. You will also want to explain this to parents who inquire about your school as well. And just a side note, like I said, I have just got out of our little reading group and I'm sitting there watching my kindergartner learn to read and watching a third grader who's in the same group with the kindergarten students who in school, their parents had no idea that their child was failing, could not read. The teachers, this child was going under the radar, friends, going under the radar, was going to get into third grade and not pass the FSA and would have been held back. Mandatory retention. Parents had no clue their child could, couldn't read at the, at the rate that they were supposed to read at the expectation of third grade. No one told them in first grade or second grade. What in the world is happening right now? And I'm sitting there going, if this child were sitting in a third grade classroom, he and she would be lost. Absolutely lost. Yet I can pull this child and read with my kindergartners and work on the specific phonics skill that they need for five to 10 minutes, explicit, direct instruction, one-on-one -on -one instruction. And I send home a little notebook with the words that he needs to practice and that traveling notebook comes back the next day and that kid can read those words. Otherwise, I can tell you I've set and I've taught kids in third grade and I was never able to give that type of instruction before. Never able to walk a child out to their to their parent at the end of the day and go, hey, look at their traveling notebook. I've got 10 new words with their phonics pattern. Please practice them at home. Parents, okay, great. There's this accountability piece between us. Child comes back today. He not only was able to read those words, he was able to write those words and he was able to put them into a sentence. Hallelujah. This is what we're talking about with progress monitoring. This is what we're talking about with watching kids succeed and not fail because they are right there underneath our radar. They're right there underneath our wing. We know them. We know them so well. We're able to help them in ways that we've never been able to help before with small groups, with individualized instruction, with one-on-one -on -one direct instruction, five, 10 minutes. Do you know how many days I would go home and go, did I even talk to Johnny today? In my class full of 20-something kids, I don't even think I actually even spoke directly to this child. And that's not the case. When you're able to teach and build a business in a way that is 
able to help children individually and create an incredible relationship with parents to hold accountable. You know, my first year, I totally mimicked public school until December because I was scared. I couldn't take it though. I'm like, even the the ready books, we, we used iReady, we used the ready textbooks. I was tracking standards. I was so still in the box. My kids weren't learning. I don't feel like that first year, my, that first semester that I started my micro school, the way that they started learning after I was like, forget it. I sacrificed the amount of money I paid for textbooks. And I'm like, I'm going back to this vision. This is, I'm going back to my introductory packet. I'm going back and reflecting and what I'm giving students and why I wanted to do this. This is what learning will look like. These are going to be my methods in assessing and reporting. I actually even use for my like end of the quarter, the way that I correspond with parents, I transcribe. I write a beautiful reflection to the parents. Also, the parents see their work every single day. I'm able to give feedback to these children every single day. Maybe if I'm not able to that day, they definitely are able to be pulled aside the next day. Every single curriculum that's out there has some type of an assessment that you can use. You can also always order from Amazon. You can call up a teacher friend. You can look at Teachers Pay Teachers. You can get into our group. You can ask people what curriculum to use, what assessments do you do you use. In this situation, you even get to create the scope and sequence of learning at your school. It's so liberating. But I also believe that it's always about communicating with parents. That's how you make sure that our students are not failing is you create the most important relationship and that is between you and the parents. That is, I feel, the key ingredient because you realize in this environment that you that this is bigger than you. And parents, they are investing in their child's education and they will make a point to help their child in a way that they probably wouldn't in a regular school because they don't have that accountability. They don't see the teacher every day. They don't have that close connection like they will with you. You have such a close community and I truly believe that how you communicate makes a big difference. I also type up anecdotal notes every three months. That's just my form of corresponding with parents. I was giving grades in the years past but to me, I was just like, this isn't this isn't a very of, of, of the super strong picture I want to give parents. So what did I do? I said, listen, I'm going to get a planner next year when the students are learning and they've gotten they do their little spelling test or the little vocabulary quiz, whatever we do for the week, the reading comprehension. They track it themselves, not me in the computer anymore. Nope. They track it themselves in real time. That planner goes home at the end of the week. Parents can see what they got on their assessment, plus those papers go home. This is if you want to set it up like this, okay? If you feel like this is how you want to set your school up, if you're wanting to do some type of assessing and sharing with parents, this is the easiest way that I have made sure that students, one, take ownership, two, it's communicated in a timely manner with parents, three, I don't have to take care of it, and four, the parents have told me over the past three years, they appreciated the anecdotal notes more than they did the letter grade. Now, some parents did say, I like them both because I want my child to know that, unfortunately, this is the way that society is going to grade you or show your performance. But to me, it's not that important. I want to see the anecdotal notes. But I also want him or her to see that this is what grades are like because you're going to have it at some point in your life, whether it's in college or, you know, even in a career. So 
Every year I'm getting a little bit better, but I do know, and I'm from past experiences, I've always started the school year like a typical public school. My second year wasn't as intense. My third year was definitely not as intense, but I like to look at what does success look like? What do my parents really value in knowing that their children are learning? And I always go back to what's my vision? What's my capacity? And what is it that I can say, this is where your child started, this is where they are, and this is where we're going. That is so much better, so much more valuable than a state assessment that gives a number grade at the end. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on this. I hope that you feel brave enough to let it go and look at other ways for teaching and learning and for succeeding. Don't forget to join our Facebook group. That's the Teacher Let Your Light Shine Micro School community. Let us know what you took away from this episode. Start a chat. Let's get into it. I can't wait to see you there. Hey, hey, teacher friend. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. I pray it inspired you, touched you, or challenged you in some way because we are making big shifts and using our teaching gifts for God's glory like never before. I'm so grateful for you. The number one way you can support this show is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts and also share this with another teacher. Come join me in the Virtual Teachers Lounge, known as the Teacher Let Your Light Shine Facebook group. Until next time, keep shining your teacher light. The world needs you.